From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. I'll See You in My Dreams by Jan Garber brings us back to the 1930s and a nation hobbled by the Great Depression. As part of his New Deal, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt began creating new government agencies to create jobs, including the Works Progress Administration, or WPA. WPA workers were mostly unskilled laborers sent to do construction work on roads or buildings, but some were skilled artists who came to define this period of American art. We do often hear about the male artists who benefited from the program, Mark Rothko and Jason po- Jackson Pollock. Now the Georgia Museum of Art in Athens sheds light on the female artists of the time. Annalise Mundy is Deputy Director of the Georgia Museum of Art and Curator of the Women of the WPA Exhibit. Joining us from Athens this morning, welcome. Thank you. The Depression-era work, you know, conjures certain images. We think of that famous Dorothea Lange photograph, the migrant mother with her children in a homeless encampment, for example. And while certain art history buffs may have heard of some of these artists in the collection, I'm thinking of Lucien Bloch, Dorothy Jenkins, a few of them are household names. Tell us about the ones that you have in the collection. Well, we have quite a variety here. Um, some of the artists that I found particularly interesting are Vanessa Helder. She worked on um, capturing the work of the Cooley Dam through her watercolors Mary Hutchinson, who has Atlanta connections, Um, she had gone up to uh, New York for the arts teaching teaching division uh, for the WPA and worked at the Harlem Community Arts Center. And then she moved back to Atlanta and uh, taught at St. Pius High School and taught at um, the High Museum. I wanted to draw Georgia connections, too, Mm -hmm. uh, such as women who've worked on post offices throughout Georgia, Um, just to demonstrate some local interest. The exhibit is mostly print, some paintings, even a WPA-era painted sign. So how did you choose to set it up? Well, the first gallery, I wanted to just introduce uh, audiences to the WPA. Uh, We're fortunate to have this sign. Uh, It's on loan to us. It's just a sort of fun artifact advertising the WPA. But the first gallery, I just wanted to show the variety of techniques that were used by a lot of the women artists, uh, the type of subject matter that was used. Um, we have everything. It is predominantly prints, but we I did borrow a few paintings just to show that medium as well. But we have lithographs, woodcuts, aquatins, etchings. In the second gallery, I wanted to concentrate on different themes. The first half of the gallery is entertainment or leisure or interiors. And then the second half is about industry and work. Yeah, there are a lot of those. There's a lot of, you know, pouring uh, molten metal in forges and industrial-looking scenes. But you mentioned having to borrow some paintings, so you had to look in some far-reaching places, digging into private collections of lenders to find prints and paintings. But they haven't always been in private collections. It started as public works of art. So what has the path for these pieces been like? Well, that's an interesting question. Um we received the bulk of our works um, back in 1943 when the federal government went ahead and distributed the works that they had acquired. So the University of Georgia was one of the beneficiaries, one of five beneficiaries here in Georgia to receive this packet of prints. Um, we have a couple hundred of them, so we were really fortunate to, to have these. 
They were for study. Uh, they were first at the main library here and then transferred to the museum in the 60s. How or where were they shown when they were first made back in the 1930s? They were shown in schools. They were shown um, in various art centers in a variety of ways, these prints. It was a little different than the public art, such as the murals that were created. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also t- as teaching aids. Um, so a lot of this was to make people aware of the great art that was being produced right here in America, not you know overseas. FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, wanted to, um, people to be aware of all the good things that are here, right here mm-hmm. in the United States. You do also uh, at the, the museum there have a couple of exhibits dedicated to the big mural art that we think of or associate with that time. But what is it? Is there a commercial value for this kind of art now? Well, I'd say that uh, a lot of people are very interested in this art now, and they're quite desirable. Um, they, you can find the works on paper uh, somewhat easily. Um, the painting's a little more difficult, but of course, um, it is a little tricky because um, many of these actually still belong to the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's a question. I mean, preservation hasn't always been a priority for WPA art. What did or maybe didn't you find as you were pulling pieces together for these exhibits? Well, again, I wanted to concentrate on our permanent collection just to highlight um, the riches that we have right here. Um, And there is a a lender that we've worked with quite a bit who's been very generous in lending things to us. Um, He has quite a collection, but it makes me think of murals also and things that are now maybe not so well received, Mm -hmm. Um, murals that are being covered up. Right, right. Like we have the cases of even when I think the Rockefeller Center mural was painted showing the glory of work, um, there was a threat that that should be covered up at one point. So what was the, what's the sort of political messaging that I guess seemed like something that they didn't want to touch? Well, the public murals, um, that was more of a competition. And um, the government preferred for those to be a little more mainstream Whereas with the Federal Art Project, the artists were allowed to be a little more experimental, experimental in subject matter and in materials. But yes, the Rockefeller Center murals by Diego Rivera were covered up. Um, And one of the artists in this collection, she was uh, one of the few who got to actually photograph those murals and document them. She was friends with um, Diego Rivera and his wife, Frida Kahlo. Yeah. So a famous artistic pair, but these women not as famous. So was there a priority in preserving their work and in pushing it forward to, for you know, posterity or history? Well, I think so. Um, this is actually a result of an exhibition I had done, gosh, close to 17 years ago for Gainesville College, now University of North Georgia, which I had um, pulled prints by um, women artists, but I didn't mention that they were women. I just wanted it to be quiet and people to just uh, notice that these, this entire exhibition was by women artists, but I, I decided to choose a different tack this time. Um, and and what, were it, they, what were they assigned to do? What were they told, you know, by the WPA? Were they sitting in their studios and, you know, we will pay you to make art about the industry of the United States or sent out on the road like the Dorothea Lange with, uh, photo, with camera in hand? Some were sent out. Um, some were allowed to do whatever 
came to them, but um, some were sent out. Um, like I mentioned, uh, Zama Vanessa Helder to go ahead and document the construction on the Cooley Dam. Uh, some were um, told to create work for the subways of New York. Um, so to um, to document a lot of the projects that were going on that were also a result of the New Deal and um, to celebrate a lot of what was going on in the United States, the good. And, you know, some of them went out to document Blanche Graham's. She went on to Pennsylvania to document the conditions of the coal miners there and bring to light the uh, terrible conditions they were under. Annalise Mundy is with me. She's the deputy director of the Georgia Museum of Art in Athens and curated the Women of the WPA exhibit that's going on there until September the 8th. Um, well, you mentioned that you already have a permanent collection of works from the time. So how does this exhibit of works by women fit in with the rest of your collection? What does it add? Well, I think it's always good to um, highlight maybe not as uh, prominent, um, might I say, you think of works by African-American artists, works by women artists, just just so that people can see themselves when they come to the museum, mm. something of themselves, and that they can feel comfortable and see that they can accomplish these things as well. Is the, is um, the collection mostly, of the WPA works that you have, mostly male? Uh, yes, it is mostly male, um, but we, we do have a fair amount of women, and uh, thanks to uh, the director, Dr. Ireland, he has made it... Um, one of his goals to purchase and to obtain more works by women, um, particularly from this period. I mean, Deventon, uh, Rothko, and Jackson Pollock got their start or were supported, let's say, at the, in their early days uh, by the WPA. Did women also get a career boost from their work? Sure. Um, women such as, um, let's see, uh, Louise Nevelson, she got her start there. Um, a lot of the abstract expressionists, um, let's see, uh, Jackson Pollock's wife. Um, Lee Krasner. Thank you. Um, so, yes, there were a number of women that did get their start as well um, so from which, the WPA. Which artists from Georgia are featured in the exhibit? Well, I don't have a whole lot from Georgia, unfortunately. I have Mary Hutchinson, um, although that is a, a loaned piece, but um, I wanted to place that piece prominently uh, Dr. Jay Miller has done a lot of excellent work on Mary Hutchinson. Um, I just think she's she's a fascinating artist and had a big impact in Atlanta, I believe. Now, I understand um, that, that that piece, the the painting that she did, is one of your favorites in the collection. Can you describe it, it for us? It is. It's an image of a, a young couple with the uh, man sort of in this brooding look, stare um, straight ahead, the woman looking to him. Uh, it's a little harder to read her impression, her uh, expression. Um, there's these geometric shapes behind them. It looks like a locked door with bolts behind him. And it, I feel like there's a lot to read into it about the relationship, what's going on. He's closed off. Uh, I think the colors, the, the shapes are, are really intriguing in this portrait. 
We mentioned some of the paintings depict industrial scenes, the Cooley Dam being built, uh, the life of coal miners. Now, this is before Rosie the Riveter, clearly. Right. So you might not have found many women present in a steel factory or a coal mine back then. But the way they showed these unfamiliar settings on paper, to me, is very powerful. Um, There's one, Minetta Good, has a particularly powerful print from a steel factory. Can you describe that for our listeners? I, I love her work. What she's able to capture uh, just with the ink and the paper, you can feel the molten metal, just the white-hot heat. She's using the paper to express this. Um, the men with their goggles, uh, they're small compared to these this vast machinery. Um, I, I really feel like she captures that. I can feel the heat just standing in front of these prints with um, the very stark contrast of the black and white. Um, she really captures the light. It's not unlike if you look at the kind of social realism art of of the 1930s in, you know, the newly formed Soviet Union, very much glorifying workers, these pictures of industry, of cities being built, of factories. How How are they distinct from that kind of celebration of the worker that you see in art at the time? Well, there definitely is yeah, a correlation with that celebration, the heroic aspect. But I think that um, um, our artists were also allowed to put in elements of the terrible conditions, too. Um, Blanche Graham, she was very much a political activist. Um, some of her works, it's sort of abstracted, these men going into the uh, tunnel, uh, they're shrouded. It looks like a funerary procession. Mm. Uh, so I don't know if that would have been allowed uh, in the Soviet art of that time. <laughs> well, the pieces you describe seem very different. You know, domestic scenes, others set in the drama of a steel factory, but both part of the same artistic movement. So what, what in your mind makes a WPA piece a WPA piece? Is there a defining artistic marker for this time? Well, there is a wide variety of styles, especially for the work that was uh, produced for the Federal Art Project. But overall, I'd say it was um, a very graphic quality, um, stark contrasts um, in the hues, a depiction of just everyday people, uh, not so much allegorical figures, but everyday people. Um, So those are some of the markers, I would say. Are these ultimately pieces of history or pieces of art? I think they're both, actually. That's a good question. I think they're both. Um, So many of these artists were interested in social issues. Um, That's another aspect that particularly interests me, and I think a lot of people of art from this time. Um, And then they were able to do it in a variety of ways and a variety of methods. So I think a little bit of art and history. So you've done this exhibit. You said you've done a smaller one in the past. So what does an exhibit like this mean for these works and these artists? Well, um, so I've I've done almost double. I've, I've included almost twice the amount that I had in the original exhibition. And in my research, I realized that in our files, some of these artists, their names were misspelled or some facts were incorrect. So just being able to unearth their story a little more, I would like to continue working on a number of these artists um, and just to to bring their story to light. Uh, I think that's important. (laughs) 
Well, Annalise, thank you so much for speaking with us. Well, thank you. I've Annalise, Annalise Mundy of the Georgia Museum of Art. She's the deputy director and curator of the museum's Women of the WPA exhibit running through September the 8th. Now, you can always join the conversation on our Facebook group, GPB's Radios on Second Thought. We got a lot of responses to our interview with author Beverly Daniel Tatum, asked if you see subtle signs of racism in your communities, and some of you responded. Julia Ann said, oh, yes, other white middle class women complain to me about them moving into our schools or neighborhoods. I let them know I'm of another opinion and quickly distance myself. Others, Ellen Wright said, well, you just see it in the checkout line. Nobody won't get in behind a line for a black checker. They won't stand behind a black mom with a couple of kids. These little microaggressions. Leave us your comments on our Facebook page. We might read them on the air. You can reach us on Twitter at OST Talk. Coming up, all 10 seasons of the FXX show Archer are now online. We're going to hear from Amber Nash, who plays Pam Poovey. I'm Virginia Prescott. Stay with us for that and more of On Second Thought.